0: Rachel, I'm David, and this is all bad things, wherein Rachel is so sick of researching <laughs> and discussing Chernobyl that I am so glad to see. Is- <laughs> Of our deep dive, I am ready to move on to a new disaster. And
1: this is also, you just uh, listened to the end of the episode. We have no fourth chapter. We've foregone it. We're sorry, listeners.
0: (laughs) That was it. (laughs) Just saying, we're sick of it. We're done. Thank you. (laughs) Goodbye. Chernobyl was bad. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, But we
1: haven't gotten into the the fun stuff.
0: It's not that fun. Yeah, you're right. It
1: is. is, It's pretty bad.
0: Well, eh, we'll get to it, but let's talk about the good stuff first. Yes. We are both um, Funky Buddha-ing it up tonight. Yes, we are. Out of Oakland Park, Florida, South Florida, my, sta- my old stomping grounds. We each um, found some Buddha brews at a pharmacy. Yes, we locally, did. which is very nice. And I am drinking the Key Lime Pie Flavored Tart Ale. I've been looking forward to this one.
1: I am having. Excuse <coughs> I am having the uh, the no crusts, which is a peanut butter and jelly brown ale.
0: Yes. Yes. And yours. Which
1: I thought I'd had before, but maybe I didn't. I don't, I don't think don't, you have. I do oh, okay.
0: Yours is a little heavier than mine. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess because of the type. All right, let's taste them. See what we think. Cheers.
1: Cheers. That's not bad. That's pretty damn good. Mm, you want to try mm-hmm. mine? Yes.
0: Well, we each have a can of or a, a bottle of the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the fridge. Yeah, that is pretty good, actually. That's good too. Well, good. We wait, each wait. will be able to have the Way other. Way to go, funky
1: bre- Funky Buddha. <laughs> funky brewery Buddha. Funky Brewery Buddha. I think
0: you said funky brewery. Did I? <laughs> like funky P- Brewster. Like Brewster. <laughs> funky
1: Brewery. <laughs> two good beers yes. um, now just send us some send us some beers for free yeah
0: we'll mention well we
1: will, uh, we will hashtag you on insta
0: yes we'll at you <laughs> 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 all right are we ready to wrap up Chernobyl I know you are I am so ready to wrap up Chernobyl <laughs> so this is, this was a, our four part <laughs> series to celebrate our 50th episode we're now on episode 53 and next week's episode will be the closest to our one year anniversary because we first, we released our first episode on July 17th, 2017, 7, seventeen seventeen. And okay. our 54th episode is going to come out on July 16th, 2018, so we'll just be one day shy of one year. So we've been at this for almost a year, officially now.
1: I can't believe it's been that long. I know. But I guess it has been.
0: It has, it has. It feels like it's been a year since I started um, researching Chernobyl. So. <laughs> and we so. and we have
1: uh, you find people to thank for uh, listening to us.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And corresponding with us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We've we've often said, you know, I guess amongst ourselves that we would do this even if only like two people listened or just our family or whatever. Actually, I don't think much of our family listens. No, I don't think,
1: I, think, I don't think many of our friends do either. No. It's just a, just a couple. No.
0: <laughs> so it's mostly you guys. So yeah. we appreciate it. Um, and we really appreciate how engaged you, you all have gotten on um, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and everything. You're really awesome people. It's been fun getting to know everybody. That makes it sound like we're... Like, stopping? Which we're not. We're not. We're not. No. We're, we're still going, so we spread have, the word.
1: We have so many disasters to get to. <laughs> so many so more. Many.
0: And by the time we cover them all, a whole new slew of disasters will have occurred in the meantime. So. Yes.
1: Unfortunately. But yes.
0: <laughs> we can always count on tragedy. Yes, we can. <laughs> Death, taxes, and tragedy. Indeed. So, um, So rate, review, rescribe, follow us, tweet us. Insta, us, whatever else we uh, respond all bad things pod, yes. Um, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, and at gmail.com. If you want to email us, we've got we, we, we do take down every listener suggestion for a disaster, so I've got them all. And um, the reason that I haven't just done a bunch of listener ones all in a row is because I try to vary the topics, you know, like not. We get a lot of um, American disaster suggestions, which makes sense because sure. people have suggested disasters from where they're from, and we have a lot of U.S. listeners, so that makes perfect sense.
1: We have a, an American disaster coming up next week.
0: Yes, we do, because mm-hmm. we're doing a reverse bad thing mm-hmm. where you're doing the research, so yes. yes. Uh-huh. You'll
1: get to listen to me uh, try to explain something. You're
0: good. We, <laughs> we've all heard that before. And mostly I'm just excited to not have to
1: Do the <laughs> research, research.
0: novel again or anymore. It's not, it's not that this has been an uninteresting tragedy. It's just, I never realized, I guess, just how, how long, I, it's, it's my ADD <laughs> that I just am like, okay, next thing, next thing, you know, so. Can't huh? this,
1: can't this just be a few pages? <laughs> Not really. No it was it a total. Can't.
0: It was a grand total, like all told of like 17 or 18 pages. That's a shit ton to write. And I don't use like giant font and double spacing or anything. Like I, like I do. <laughs> you do. use kind of comically large font <laughs> because you don't know how to zoom on the computer. I, I do to Yeah. <laughs> I'll show you that. <laughs> so are we ready to just go ahead, get this over with? <laughs>
1: I'm going to guess that uh, Chernobyl itself is as well. Yes. And probably Russia and probably the rest <laughs> the of the. Ukraine. The International yeah. Atomic Energy Council, whatever their name is. International
0: as. Atomic Energy Agency. I agency. agency. IAEA. Oh, okay.
1: That was close. Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: Sort
1: of. <laughs> well, council. <then>.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> council <laughs> agency. Seemed deaf. So now, what we can say is because this fucking disaster lasted us four episodes. Obviously, that's a testament to how much material there is to cover on this disaster, and just the actual scope of it. And I literally just scratched the surface of every. I was going to say there. There's thing. also
1: plenty of stuff that's left out.
0: Oh yes, and that's because I didn't want it to become a twenty part series because I didn't want to stab <laughs> myself in the throat. So she didn't
1: want to become Ken Burns. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so that's correct i think we i think we referenced him in the last episode we, too. we've
1: re- referenced him at least a dozen times throughout <laughs> yes. all of our podcasts all right fun game listeners see how many times we have because i don't even remember <laughs> right
0: <laughs> so let's get into part four of chernobyl legacy as in the long view aftermath of this tragedy
1: as in when you hear the word chernobyl what's the first thing that comes to your mind Probably even if you're twenty. What what? If you heard the word Chernobyl, you'd think you know nuclear meltdown.
0: Oh oh yeah well of course yeah oh you yeah. mean just like people recognize it yeah yeah. yeah.
1: It's almost absolutely. like a it's almost like a verb.
0: Yeah yeah or like a like. You it's say a figure of
1: speech for sure. Yeah uh-huh. yeah
0: yeah absolutely no you're right. Okay, so to get into the lasting effects, we're just gonna do a quick review. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Nuclear fission. Of our <laughs> <laughs> Let's go.
0: Not not nuclear fission. Thank God we're done with nuclear fission. Um, we're gonna do a review of uh, the the effects of radiation on um, animals in the environment. So especially the health effects. Uh, so we did we did touch on it and remember we specifically mentioned cancer mm-hmm. as a big concern in the long run. We talked about acute radiation poisoning, radiation poisoning, and then long term health effects, especially cancer, because basically the radioactive isotopes can like permeate cells and then start taking over their um, their function. Right? So that's the that's kind of the idea.
1: Which is fucking crazy. It is but, really
0: crazy. But,
1: but it happens,
0: apparently. Yeah. So in the case of a meltdown like Reactor 4 at Chernobyl, there were kind of two broad categories of radioactive substances at play. Radioactive iodine and radioactive cesium. I, I think I like half up why I said that. <laughs> cesium so sounds, is that what you said? Cesium. Cesium. Yeah. Okay. It's a C E S I U M. Cesium. I. So here's the thing: when there's difficult to pronounce words, I do actually like Google them to know how to pronounce yeah, them. Yeah, I, I do the same yeah, thing. Yeah. Because I don't want to sound like an idiot and be mispronouncing everything. Um, now I do listen to some podcasts that do often mispronouncing, so I don't mean <laughs> to call them idiots. I'm just saying I try. <laughs> They tried. To, never mind. Now I'm just insulting people. So, the iodine tends
1: Car- caracal. <laughs> Car- yeah, caracal is the like cat? a is like a mid sized yeah. wild cat.
0: C A R A C A L. Mm-hmm. Caracal. Not I, I Caracal. N- I
1: had no clue how to pronounce it, so I had to put it into Google. It's caracal.
0: Caracal, very good. I I had to Google, because um, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm doing uh, three years of school, finishing out. My accounting degree, three years of school in six months because that's how I roll, and uh, it's the fast
1: track program. <laughs> very,
0: fa- it's the Rachel track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But one of the one of the things I'm learning in macroeconomics, which is so fucking dense, is uh, the difference between classical and Keynesian uh, economic models and or philosophies, and but Keynes is K E Y N E S. So I, I thought it was Keynesian or Keynesian, but it, yeah, it's Keynesian. Anyway, <laughs> Rachel's losing it again.
1: <laughs> anyway, about Chernobyl. Mm-hmm.
0: So the iodine
1: She's like my classes are are at a Chernobyl-like level right
0: now. <laughs> they kind of are. <laughs> and there's, I've only There's
1: too many of them coming out. I finished
0: one out of 27. <laughs> but I'm about to finish the second one tomorrow. There you go. So Two in a week. I think that's pretty good. So the iodine tends to primarily affect the thyroid, which I have like a vague recollection of that iodine and thyroid function are um, intertwined. Do you know where the thyroid is?
1: Isn't it in your yeah, neck? Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Yep. So, um, so the, the radioactive iodine specifically tended to target the thyroid, which we'll come back to, while the cesium can involve like the whole, every organ of the body. So it's a lot more pervasive, a little less localized than the iodine. Now there certainly were other radioactive isotopes too, but those were kind of the two biggest players. So there's two types of radiation, internal and external radiation, as in like the effect on the body, right? And as the names would suggest, External means just an external exposure, where internal means you've either ingested it, inhaled it, or or injected it, but that's not so much a player here. Um, but it is a way that it can actually become internalized into your body. So while radiation can and does harm anyone of any age, obviously, like most other things in life and health effects, it can be most devastating to the old, the young, and fetuses. Sure. So, um, oh, and the immunosuppressed Hmm. as well, people with um, low immunity. So anyway, that's just a quick rundown reminder of the um, health effects of radiation. How
1: volatile this thing is.
0: Yeah, and how dangerous it really can be to individual health. So to wrap this all up and look at the long-term effects, we're going to kind of break it down into into individual categories. So, the first thing we're going to talk about is the actual site of Chernobyl. Um, So, from a geographical perspective, where we last left off, about 335,000 residents had been evacuated and or relocated. So, that's like a third of a million people. That's not... That's
1: that's a lot of people. And this is like rural
0: USSR, so that's a lot of people. This is also in
1: 1986... With 1986 technology, yes. not not that it was, um, you know, run down or cheap or anything like that. It's just 1986 technology. Right, it's, it it's not not today where everybody can communicate in, right. an, in an instant right. and have a plan ready to go. And this is, uh, that's like, that's, there are a couple NFL cities that are like that size, like 330
0: some thousand people. Yeah, so, yeah. It's not, well, Raleigh's probably close to that. I th- I feel like we're having the same discussion we yeah, had. Yeah, we might yeah. be. <laughs> anyway. The,
1: anyway, that's a lot of fucking people.
0: It is. That's a third of a million. It is. The Soviet government quickly established the Chernobyl Exclusion Zone, which I mentioned in the very beginning of this when we were talking about the geography of where Chernobyl is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It. We talked about where it currently is and where it was. Today, Chernobyl is in the Chernobyl exclusion zone. <laughs> like, that's the name of the region. Let's hope so. Right. It's also known as the 30 kilometer zone. And it's an area including and surrounding the Chernobyl oh, plant, yeah. covering about 2,600 square kilometers, which is roughly a thousand square miles. Mm-hmm. It was considered the area where the radioactive contamination was the highest, obviously, because it was including and surrounding the plant. So, no one can can live there but it's it's not like all of the zone is cr- is created equal there are like part with zones within the zone mm-hmm. and there are zones that's like no literally nobody can live here and then there are other ones that as it sort of branches out that there are other um allowances for residents and we'll we'll get into that in a second um, but there is restricted public access. That's a big part of it. Um, the borders were redefined in 1991 when the Soviet Union fell, um, based on like updated readings of radioactivity. And they
1: were they were like, "Hey, Ukraine, we've got a gift for you. You can have Chernobyl back."
0: <laughs> no, no, it was the borders, like, no, I know. The, yeah, size and area. <laughs>
1: But you know that's what the, exactly what the fuck they were thinking. <laughs> They're like, we don't want anything to do with this anymore.
0: So now as for the plant, remember the last thing we mentioned about the plant and the site and what they did with it?
1: Uh, the sarcophagus?
0: Yes. They created that giant sarcophagus to contain the remains of reactor four. Well, this sarcophagus was put up very quickly, mm-hmm. right? It was done by November of 86. So within like six months, it was up. Seven, six, seven months. Um, it was never really meant to be a permanent fix. It was meant to just like cover this shit up like as quickly as we can. So in 1992, this is post-Soviet Russia, so um, or post-USSR, so the government of Ukraine held an international competition for designs and proposals for something to replace the sarcophagus. <laughs> And this was really a much bigger project than just just a, like designing a new structure because it included more um, containment and cleanup projects within. Well, plus, the project ev- everybody of you
1: bring in is going to have to be wearing,
0: well, biosuits. We'll and get stuff into like that. that. We'll get oh, into that. Okay. So all right, so it but it was a giant undertaking. Uh, Now, the new structure itself that was chosen um, was an arch-shaped steel structure that they could actually construct away from the exclusion zone. So that was considered to be one of the upsides of this design. They basically came up with this giant arch that could be built without having to worry about contamination or radioactive exposure. So when you were saying, you know, oh, they'd have to be wearing these These uniforms and stuff are are, um, protective gear. That's why I said, well, wait a second. Mm -hmm. Because a large bulk of it, that wasn't the case. They specifically thought about, hey, how can we... Reduce their the workers' exposure. And one of the ways they came up with doing that was constructing it off-site, mm-hmm. the bulk of it off-site. Obviously, it and couldn't then, be the whole thing. And then but,
1: transporting it in.
0: And securing it, yeah. exactly. So so the idea with this arch was that it was going to be sort of slid onto the sarcophagus. It would cover the covering, basically. Sure. Um, and then it would be secured. So at least they had the workers in mind a little better this go than they did the last one a,
1: just a little bit more yeah
0: so this new structure was called the NSC the new safe confinement and it has been built the the arch has been built it is 92 and a half meters or 303 and a half feet tall internally so not not including sure. like the height of the ceiling or whatever um with an internal span of about 245 meters, which is about 800 feet. So this thing is pretty gigantic. Now, even though the call for designs started in 1992, the project contract wasn't even signed until 2007, 15 years later. So this was a long-term project, and a lot of delays were Occurring throughout the entire process. And I guess it's not really a big shock. <laughs> this is an enormous project, and the stakes are high if it's not done well, right? So if people are exposed sure, to radiation... It has and, to be done correctly. Yes. So actual construction began in 2010. So now we're 18 years out of the design call. And while the major part of the structure is currently in place like today as we speak it's still not complete 8 years after construction began because now comes the tricky part where there's no avoiding being at the site so mm-hmm. they got the mm-hmm. arch in place now it's, uh, people have to be on site to secure it
1: people are going to be within a couple hundred meters of
0: they're going to be on the site basically yeah, yeah. so there's of, of
1: a reactor that's still just like Will have radioactive out, material,
0: yeah. so they have to be very careful with the workers and their exposure to radiation. So they have all of the. You can only work so so much, you know. Like they tried with the liquidators, to obviously was just they have to be say, a lot more with careful. The, with the, the
1: Chernobyl liquidators. Chernobyl
0: liquidators. So the target completion date for this NSC is this year, 2018. Oh. But considering the whole thing was initially meant to be finished. By 2005, <laughs> I wouldn't hold my breath on that. Yeah, I kind of missed that one a little bit. <laughs> so so that's where the site, the actual site of the plant is. They're working to finish this final containment unit that's meant, I think I read it was meant to last for 100 years. Okay. That was the idea with this. It's a good start. <laughs> and I don't know, I guess they just keep building they bigger and bigger a, cement structures. They just structures. leave a manual
1: on the outside of it that says, you know, after 100 years, is done. We built it. It started this day. After 100 years, well, this is what you do from here on out. Now you build another one.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully there, there's... St- I mean, the exclusion zone is going to stay the exclusion zone. Oh, I so know. <laughs>
1: and I know you don't like to speculate. I don't. I know you hate speculation. I do. But here is my speculation. All right. <laughs> Maybe the fact that this thing isn't finished has something to do with Russia hosting an Olympics and a World Cup in the last four years. Takes a lot of money to put on those events, so maybe all I'm saying is maybe funds. This in isn't Russia.
0: this is the Ukraine. Oh, well,
1: that's true. But Russia took over the mm, Ukraine again. Not took them over, but I
0: don't think so. I mean, there's all sorts of political shit going on yeah. over there. But I think the the Ukraine still has its own government.
1: But this uh, anyway.
0: <laughs> you just want my, a conspiracy that's my fun
1: speculation. You
0: just want to last podcast this shit.
1: No, I want to Alex
0: Jones it. Oh no. Um, Oh, don't make me divorce you. (laughs) We just made it to one year.
1: Just (laughs) married. Just barely. Just
0: barely. (laughs) All right. So that's what happened to the actual site. Now let's talk about the plant workers, the responders, and the cleanup crew. So we kind of talked about the responders and the cleanup crew a fair amount last week with the liquidators and the first responders and everything. So this is going to be a little deeper into the plant workers. So as I've mentioned several times before, two workers died as a direct result of the explosion, right? Like yep. in the physical violence of the explosion. Which was
1: pretty crazy that only two. Only two, in yeah. The initial explosion.
0: hmm And those two workers were Valery kademchuk and Vladimir Shishinuk. Shishinuk. Shishin- 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 Shoshana. 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 Sure. Um, but their deaths were literally just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, and no, not literally. That's a, <laughs> That's a poor use of the word literally. Anyway, obviously, those closest to the reactor, the workers who are on duty at the time, were the first ones to feel the effects of the radiation exposure. There were 160 people on duty at Chernobyl the night that reactor four blew. Remember, it was like 1.23 in the morning. And an additional 300 workers were nearby working construction on a new complex that was supposed to eventually house more nuclear reactors at the plant. So they were expanding the plant. Okay. Multiple workers present were burned by both fire and radiation. Some got what is called a nuclear tan. An immediate darkening of the skin oh, God. that can happen when there's high radiation exposure, exposure, like instatan, but for terrible, terrible reasons. Many were getting sick while trying to continue to do their job and figure out what happened and how they could try to contain and mitigate the disaster. Um, immediately after the blast... Four workers were ordered to manually lower those goddamn control rods.
1: Oh yes, that's right. Yes,
0: because <laughs> they didn't—they didn't know for sure f- immediately that the, the core, control rods—if <laughs> the core melted or not. So I, I guess that's why. At no. any rate,
1: by the way, you have not included him in the research at this point, so I'm guessing you just maybe skipped over that point, which is fine. But I I didn't find the documentary I'd watched like a long time ago. Okay. But I watched like a National Geographic one. Okay. You know those ones that are semi-serious.
0: Yeah, they're a little over-dramatic. Yeah, but uh-huh. have
1: the um, what am I trying to say? Like the um, like the reenactments. Oh yes. That uh-huh. they're trying to be dramatic, but uh-huh. it's just a little too much cheesy. And, yeah. But the the head engineer, whoever was calling the shots.
0: Yeah, I forget his name. His
1: name was Datslov. Oh.
0: He's right here. Look. Oh,
1: did it? Oh, Yeah, I'm going to get to oh, him okay. in a second. Because he was like a main topic of this he, thing he, that I watched. He
0: was. I just, yeah, nothing can be a main topic when you're trying to cover no. it all in four episodes. No. So. <laughs> so yes, I do get to Love, which is funny because we covered Love past. Yes, so. that's, that's all I kept thinking about. It's mm-hmm.
1: the same so. guy.
0: <laughs> um. So three of the four men that were sent... To manually lower the control rods, ended up among the first dead. Yeah. S- now, sometime later, like in a hospital sure. in Moscow, but the fourth spent a year in the hospital being treated with skin grafts and multiple blood transfusions. Oh, God. Yeah. The guys in charge at reactor four that night were Anatoly Dyatlov, so there you go, and Alexander Akimov, who I mentioned in the previous episode. hmm. They both received massive doses of radiation, with Akimov eventually dying of the poisoning. And now, even on his deathbed, he said he did nothing wrong and made no bad decisions on how the test at Reactor 4 proceeded. So he was a he stubborn it, little guy.
1: He took it to his grave. Yeah, he did. Whatever it was. Well, hopefully that was the stubbornness, truth. Stubbornness, Russian yeah.
0: stubbornness, he took to the grave. Well, we know what happened in the yeah, test. Yeah, so. true. Now, the manager of the Chernobyl plant was Viktor Bryukhanov. 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 One of those. Who was not on site at the time of the meltdown, but he arrived at the plant about a half hour after the meltdown. So he was on the scene by like 2 o'clock in the morning. And he was also the one to bear the brunt of the criminal fallout after the disaster oh, okay he served five years of a ten-year sentence prison sentence after being found guilty of quote gross violation of safety regulations and abuse of power so there were criminal charges and this guy served prison time or hard labor time probably in Siberia or some shit but anyway there was plenty of mental fallout from this disaster as well oh, there's a lot of PTSD fuck associated. Yeah. Um, at least one worker, chief engineer Nikolai Fomen, later suffered a mental breakdown and attempted suicide, so.
1: Yeah, I'll bet.
0: A total of 31 Chernobyl workers died within about three months of the meltdown from radiation-related sickness, and this remained the official death toll as per the Soviet Union through the summer of 86.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course it did.
0: Well, we'll get into it a little yeah. bit more, so. The Chernobyl liquidators, we we covered most of what happened to them last week. Um, you know the the military reservists who were the initial cleanup crew, kind of for over the months after Chernobyl, after the meltdown, they wound up, wound up, they wound up having a bunch of health problems, including thyroid cancer. I remember all that, that iodine, mm-hmm. leukemia, and PTSD. They ended up, and they also ended up. Fighting a very long, very costly legal battle for compensation for their exposure yeah, to radiation. All right, now let's talk about the residents of Chernobyl and the surrounding area.
1: What residents of Chernobyl?
0: <laughs> they, they are no more. But in the end, and in stark contrast to the relatively low death toll of 31, it is estimated by the World Health Organization that more than five million people. Were exposed to radiation at Chernobyl to so on some level, sure. Not necessarily all. That's not, not
1: necessarily severe, right? But
0: so this includes the roughly the estimated six hundred thousand people who were either first responders or liquidators, um, and then the roughly like three hundred thirty-five thousand residents in the immediate vicinity who were evacuated or who relocated. And the remainder are people who just live in the surrounding geographical area of Belarus, Ukraine, and Russia. So. Now, like, like we said, the old and the young are especially vulnerable to the effects of radiation, and children were especially sure. affected in this fallout. Bronchial asthma was one condition found more commonly in children from the affected area than average kids. And that included those who were in utero at the time of the meltdown. So it's a bunch of people like your age and my age sure. still living with the effects of this because they were kids or babies or fetuses at the time. Because
1: yeah, um, I was only nine years old when this happened. You were I only... Half, not even a
0: year and a half, yeah. yeah. Wow. So, and, and fetuses obviously because pregnant women... If they're exposed oh, to sure. something, it'll be exposed to their fetus yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Uh, case in point, the arthylidomide episode, yep, right? Absolutely. So. so, of those living in the containment area of Chernobyl who were under age eighteen at the time of the meltdown, so children at the time of the meltdown, there were over six thousand cases of thyroid cancer, mm. which. I didn't have the exact like ratio of the of the population of children to the six thousand. Anyway, it was higher than average, higher than normal. Um, now it's important to note that they didn't just like get cancer immediately. Sure. That this developed over time. They went on to. At some point you. down yeah. the road, yeah. Specifically, by two thousand six is when they it climbed up to that six thousand plus number, and, and that was over twenty years after the fact. I'm sure it's risen since then. So that just goes to show how long-lasting the potential effects of the meltdown were and of exposure at one point leading years later to problems. Oh, for Mm -hmm. the
1: rest of your life, probably, having some sort of influence. Or
0: nothing until then all of a sudden you're like 50 and you get thyroid cancer and it's like, oh, that's right, I went through Chernobyl when I was 15, Mm. you know. Girls from the area were also found to have significantly higher levels of thyroid-stimulating hormone even though they were considered within a, quote, normal range. But regardless, like, this is evidence that the radiation fucked with these kids' hormones, too. So who knows all the specific... Like, it would be impossible to tell what the specific health effects of this were because mm-hmm. you couldn't... You can't control for it to know whether some of these kids would have the conditions that they do if they hadn't been exposed, you know? The only way you can do it is to... Uh, compare it to the average population the rest of the population you know which is how they discovered the bronchial asthma and all that stuff so in addition to these more sort of like direct cause and effect type of conditions there are also correlations between the radiation exposure to those living near chernobyl and ptsd depression hypertension and heart disease so just a shit ton of just health a problems
1: just slew of fun yes. things
0: not to mention the incredible stress of being evacuated from your home one day and you can never go back. Like their shit is still sitting still in there. their houses. You know, it looks it lo- like Fallout Four. It looks like Fallout Four there, pretty much. You know. So now let's talk. Yeah, nice job. Thank you.
1: Throwing in a Fallout Four.
0: Yes. Did you see? Um, <laughs> did you see Quincy? Uh, you you and Quincy nerded out on yes, Twitter we did a little for bit a little about bit. 4. Yes. <laughs>
1: I-, I had to give him a clue. <laughs> as, as to where an X01 power armor suit was because he didn't know where to find one. So I had to help him out. You're such a nerd. I know. That's why you love me.
0: I do love that, you. That
1: my wooden shoes. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> Nothing. Is that from a movie or
1: something? <laughs> no, we were talking about Sweden last week. I just made the joke about wooden shoes because Sweden's power plant was the one that noticed the uh, well, how radiation. <laughs> it does It does, It doesn't matter. <laughs>
0: you make that connection?
1: Because back in the day, they used to wear wooden well, shoes. no, in I that know part that, but you said it just came out <laughs> of the field. No, it didn't. Okay. <laughs> it was just a reference to something last week that...
0: Uh-huh.
1: That's all. Okay.
0: Let's move on. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> so now let's talk about the environmental contamination. So, geographically...
1: Global warming is a hoax. Is that the environmental? No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, that's something else. What?
0: That's,
1: that's our current. That's our current environmental policy. I'm sorry.
0: Let's let's continue <laughs> here. <laughs> Geographically and environmentally speaking, the fallout of Chernobyl was huge and very complicated, both immediately and in the long run. Are you reading ahead? No. Okay.
1: You know I can't read upside down. You could. Go ahead. <laughs>
0: The area of Chernobyl was very rural, so farming was a big part of not only sustenance but of commerce, right? Business in the area. So, when the area became contaminated with radioactive material, the soil became unfit for farming. And even though all the people were evacuated, they did not evacuate the animals. Trigger warning Syracuse and others. Countless animals of growing and harvest. That wasn't the right word. Countless amounts, there we go, not animals, countless amounts of growing and harvested produce became completely useless because of its high level of radiation and animals suffered from debilitating effects like bleeding and hair loss. Oh, God.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the same as a human.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Immediately after the meltdown, the USSR created a division of, quote, radioactive hygiene. Meant to properly measure the radioactivity levels in the wa- in the environment, in the water, and the soil, and food, and in in the air. And what they learned was that the radioactive isotopes were in basically everything, yeah. just everything. And the marching orders were that like one hundred percent of all food was supposed to be tested before being put on the market. But like that's basically impossible.
1: It is impossible. Yeah. Like you can't. It'd be nearly impossible to test half of it. Right. M- much less
0: Just all because, of it. Especially from a rural area. I imagine yeah. we're talking about a significant yeah. amount, you know. And there's
1: a reason that this is a, this plant is in a rural area because of the danger of fallout. Right, They're, yeah. they're not going to put it in the middle of a city. Like right. Like a huge, like yeah. Moscow. Right. Yeah, you know, so they because literally... Because there
0: would be so much infrastructure, but at the same time, right. you're swapping out infrastructure for environment. Right. So, so this yeah. thing is
1: kind of out in the middle of nowhere. That's why they built a city around it. It was like a yeah. self-contained.
0: Well, I area. mean the city was there before. Remember we went through the whole history of Chernobyl. Right,
1: but it had no huge build up until this thing came along.
0: Well, I mean I don't know what the population was. I don't
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying there was a lot of people in the area and everybody like in one way or another
0: we just work have for to get. Chernobyl. We just have to get through this. Yes. <laughs> okay.
1: Continue on.
0: <laughs> so not only was just a huge amount of additional burden to try and test everything, too much for mm. most food producers, including mom and pop type operations like family farms. They couldn't. I think you would
1: just have to assume everything is useless.
0: Well, so yeah, that's that's true. Um, also, most people didn't have the education or the equipment to do the testing right in the first place. And it became really hard to administer. The division was inundated with requests for permissible levels for each type of crop. It's like, okay, oh, this is... True. For a potato, this is an acceptable level. Because that's what it comes down sure. to is what's an acceptable level. Because there's naturally occurring radiation in food anyway. We've talked about that briefly. But um, like... So, potato farmers were like okay well what's the level for us and then beet farmers were like what's like right fruit we're like what's the <laughs> what's the level for us and then you know beets beets bears Battlestar Galactica <laughs> but so they had to like they were trying to come out with guidelines for every food imaginable which was just again impossible, impossible yeah.
1: And they're they're just doing it off the cuff anyway, you know, that they're like, that beats at 0.02 per million. Right. Go ahead. Right? Yeah, like, Like,
0: how's, (laughs) yeah, how do you even? Plus, no one was keen to throw out food in Soviet-era Russia, you know, to the idea of, like, let's let all this food rot or let's, you know, toss all this was, like, not totally against, you know, natural instincts in that well, for anybody, but especially in that time period and in that area. So, there were, they tried to make specific rules about how you could sort of safely use food that was contaminated with radiation. For example, you were allowed to dry and powder contaminated milk. Okay. I don't know how that was supposed to make it safe. I don't think it did. I think they just hoped it did something magic. But, so this was just a clusterfuck of, attempted regulations with no real ability to back up any of it. And amidst all of this, the public was largely kept in the dark about the food supply and how safe or unsafe it was. Not only because the Soviet government like, had zero interest in disclosing what was going on and how they were not able to contain it all, but because the press in the USSR certainly not a free press and journalists were not allowed to report at all on the issue so that everyone was just absolutely mum about it and
1: if they did report about it you would never hear from that person again. right
0: exactly
1: so yeah
0: now people weren't dummies they knew something was going on not just because of common sense like that obviously there's common sense but also they weren't feeling so great themselves their kids and their animals were like pale and sickly and ...incidences of cancer, miscarriage, and birth defects were observably high. Sure. So they're like, wait, everything was fine until this happened, and now we're all sick, and all this shit is going wrong with us. So they knew it was going... They could. They, they knew could,
1: something was wrong.
0: They, they just... They couldn't trust their government to help them, and their government wasn't telling them anything else. There was, like, nothing they could do. And the effects continue to this day... 32 sure. years later, radioactive contamination is not a thing of the past in Ukraine, Belarus, and Russia. Food products are still being produced and exported from the region and still contain large levels of radiation. Yeah, because that levels shit
1: stays in, what was it, like 10,000 years or something like that? Or
0: uh, the, That was when we were talking about the nuclear power that, um, the, the, the waste, nuclear waste, has, I think that was maybe 10,000 years,
1: yeah. but still, yeah. but this isn't even the waste. This is still just this nuclear is, material. This is actually nuclear material.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I would think still to this day,
0: yeah, they have uh-huh. to do whatever
1: tests they have to do to,
0: well, and the thing is they, I don't know how much they've just given up, you know, but anyway, that was just the food supply. The radioactive isotopes are in so much more than just the food, and still to this day. So it permeated the soil, oh, yeah.
1: the well, yeah. roads, mm-hmm.
0: building materials. Like and it's in the buildings. You name it, it's in there. And because water can carry can carry basically anything easily and far, it carried the radioactive contamination as well contaminated fish have been found as far away as Germany and Scandinavia. Wow. So it basically poisoned <laughs> oh, shit. the world's supply. The whole chunk yeah, of the earth. Yeah, basically. Uh-huh. Wow. And who knows how far that has gone yeah. and the long-lasting effects of that. We'll never know. Yeah, no, not at all. And the only thing they can do to try to contain the radiation when it's already out in the environment is um, monitor... The radiation levels to try and keep everybody away, um, so that land and animals aren't at used least try to it.
1: at least try to know where the radiation is at.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, get a right
1: so it doesn't sneak up on them one day, being like, "Holy shit!" It jumped from this to that. Right, you know, just right. monitor it so you know what's going on from a day-to-day perspective.
0: Right, and and then they put a lot of restrictions on hunting and fishing, mm-hmm. like, "Hey, this isn't safe to consume." So.
1: Don't shoot a radioactive deer.
0: Well... You'll know because it has
1: two heads. No, No, now here's
0: where we're going to get into this. As for animals, there's obviously like this sensationalist idea that there are like two-headed snakes and two-headed deer (laughs) and mutant (laughs) animals running around like Annihilation, like the movie we saw.
1: Or like Fallout 4.
0: Or like Fallout 4, (laughs) you're right. But that is a major overstatement, to say the least. There have been some observations of physical malformations, things like albinism, mutations in insects. So it's it's not like there has been no observable effect of the radiation on the animal population, but not like any crazy. It's, ju- it's just been
1: exaggerated.
0: It's been grossly exaggerated. Yeah. So so coming
1: from like nineteen fifties science fiction movies yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: It's not the, the two-headed animals running around. That's, that's, that's not it at all. In fact, there's been a very strange paradox that's happened in Chernobyl. So in the short run, the animal population was horribly affected, right? Lots of death, lots of illness of animals. It was really bad. But then the humans left, right, with the radiation, and nature found a way and because there was no humans to fuck up their shit, the animal population around Chernobyl has actually flourished. So there's a lot of biodiversity um, and they're thriving, unencumbered by us assholes. It's just like a free range for- probably why. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) So everything has unintended consequences and this was a weird positive externality as I learned in Na- now macroeconomics. All, now
1: all I can picture is, like, those certain season scenes in Annihilation where they just found, like, the flower people. Remember? Oh, the
0: the trees that grew into the mm-hmm. shape. Spoiler alert, but no, yeah, it didn't
1: give whatever. anything away. And, like, some of the animals and stuff they found, it's just like, oh, okay, this is, and like, the plants and... Whatever.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's the thing is that that's that's kind of what you get in your head about Chernobyl, but that's not right. the case. That's not. It's basically just an abandoned place right now. Which yeah. let's get into that. And so it
1: doesn't take long for nature to take over those places.
0: Exactly, the Chernobyl exclusion zone, to be clear, is not entirely unpopulated. There are parts of the zone where people are allowed to live, and there are about one hundred ninety-seven people living in the area um, including the town of Pripyat which was one of the mm-hmm. nearby towns that got evacuated first. Now no surprise these are mostly older people an average age of 63 so they were like in their 30s like worker age it, mm-hmm. when it actually happened and they're like fuck we don't want to leave you know our home or we want to come back home. Now there's not many of them sure. they're going to die out very similar to Centralia right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're kind it's of grandfather just they're, they're a little just bit. like
1: what was there like seven people left in Centralia yeah, or something? something like that?
0: that. It's a handful, a literal handful, so. In addition to the people who actually live in the Chernobyl exclusion zone, there are about three thousand people who work in the zone. Um, sure. Especially yeah. on the new safe confinement construction and on monitoring the area. Sure. There's a lot of science stuff that goes on there because it has to, right? There are stores and hotels and office buildings nearby in Chernobyl town. I'm not talking like a huge built up city, right. very small, but still. And Chernobyl town is just like 10 kilometers outside of the zone and it serves as a hub for the workers. So, like, they sure. got to stay nearby, right? Yeah. So, and is also an area for tourism. So, there is a tourist industry in Chernobyl. So just like the idiots who go to Centralia, there is a significant level of disaster tourism in Chernobyl. And every year, about 10,000 people go there. They go on guided tours. There's several like specifically allowed tour groups sure. you know, or um, t- tour guides that are allowed to take groups into it. Most end up visiting Pripyat. Um, just outside of uh, Chernobyl, where most of the plant workers lived. And there are a bunch of pictures online of the exclusion zone, like, outside of where the actual work is happening. And, yeah, it really does look like a ghost town. looks very grown over, the whole thing. Very similar to Centralia. Mm-hmm. Pictures of Centralia, except without the weird steam.
1: <laughs> right. Um, but without the ground still actually on fire. Yeah.
0: Um, and it looks kind of like Fallout 4. Just without the mutant animals and the robots. So now there is something really eerie about seeing man-made structures completely taken over by nature. There
1: is something really creepy about it's it. It's very
0: creepy, and and oddly comforting.
1: A little bit, you yeah. Know? I mean, I I have looked at a lot of pictures of this event. There are lots of pictures inside, like the. Contamination zone
0: Mm, mm
1: -hmm. Um, Obviously taken from researchers And scientists and stuff like that And tourists Uh, Probably some got into that area I'm guessing But I'm talking about like
0: Oh you mean like the plant
1: the plant and where people used to live. Well, they they like go that. to where people yeah. used to live. Yeah. But but I've seen pictures from inside the plant. Oh okay. Like that. Yeah, that's it's just that's like the fucking creepy as hell. It's really creepy. Like it's just
0: abandoned stuff is really creepy.
1: Especially in abandoned this this is a fucking nuclear power yes. plant. It's huge. Yes. There's so much stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's they just walked away from it. Yeah. Had to.
0: Yeah. There's no choice. So, to visit the zone, you have to submit an application, which has to be approved, and then you get screened for radiation when you leave.
1: Yeah, I hope.
0: Yeah. Um, And now, of course. I hope
1: that's not an extra. Yeah. Like like for five bucks. (laughs) Right.
0: Now, um, there are assholes, just like Centralia, where people go and they think it's fun to steal shit. So, people like. Have done everything from poaching animals within the exclusion um, yeah, zone yeah. to logging trees,
1: and all that shit is carrying radiation. Yes,
0: yes, <laughs> um, and also stealing personal belongings that Which were is left. Really That's sick. cheap. That's yeah. just cheap. The um, the taking advantage of nature is is assholeish. asshole-ish. <laughs> but I like assholeish. <laughs> assholeish. Assholeish. <laughs> it sounds like you don't have an asshole. <laughs> That's assholeish. True. You
1: are asshole less.
0: <laughs> um, but stealing people's personal belongings, like people who had to run away, like evacuate, and they couldn't come back, like yeah, that's, that's stealing that's their just, shit. That's just disgusting. Yeah, that's that's really cheap. So now this may just be my opinion, but how about we just leave this place the fuck alone? I I gotta say I disapprove of disaster tourism. It's it's just cheap. It, it
1: depends for me I, I, th- yeah, I think with something like this if you're taking people like on the outskirts of where they're in any sort of real danger because it is obviously a lot of people died there was a tragedy that is still happening but it's, it's a place on earth, it's like this is really one of the only places on earth that something like this has ever happened and it ha- happened in such a bad fashion
0: it's not the that only there place.
1: is No, it's not, but but, it, it took on, like, a, this thing took on, like, a whole new cultural meaning.
0: But like, what's this whole the thing. the benefit of it? I mean, I, I, I could don't see. know. I would if just If you be, were a scientist, I think, sure, absolutely go right, and but study. No, I'm, but
1: I'm just talking about also as, like, a, a person who I would like to see as much of Earth as I possibly could. Uh-huh. Not that I I will never go to Chernobyl, I'm sure. Uh-huh. But if I was ever close to that and somebody suggested it, I might be like, well, let's see where this did happen. See, you know, I'm I, I'm I a know.
0: lot more and maybe this is this ha- plays in with like my veganism. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that should just be left alone, and I feel that a lot with nature. Like like that's why I'm not a huge fan of going in the ocean cuz I'm like that's not my home. That is the home of billions upon billions upon trillions of creatures. And why should I be, like, for my own amusement, like, fucking with their home? And I know that that's not a popular (laughs) opinion, but it, it would be inconsistent of me to then say that I think we should fuck with the animals at Chernobyl. You know, like, I feel like we fucked up that area. There are people there who are working there because it's necessary, like, to contain it, to to monitor it, to learn from it. That's all cool. but And and I totally get that. I understand that. And I agree with that. But otherwise, I think we should just leave the shit we fucked up the fuck alone. It's like, are you happy humans? Go away. I think, and I honestly believe that one day the entire earth is going to say that to us. And we, as humans, will not be around anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that will happen eventually. I, I
0: think that that's going to happen. The Earth that's, will
1: always be here.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: It will. Yeah. I mean, it's been through so many things. Like, Unless it
0: gets exploded by an asteroid or something, but... but it'll still
1: be here. That's already No, happened. I mean,
0: just like literally something so big oh. that it... Or a black hole or something like that. But, but basically... <laughs> I I other than, delved into other a black than, hole myself. Didn't other I? than
1: planet destroying things, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> it'll survive pretty much anything we as humans for sure can throw at it. Right, so, but we cannot but survive cannot everything survive that nature no. throws at us. So no, that's
0: fun. So that's that's kind of my my thought is, you know, we fucked shit up so badly, we need to just like concede that we're pretty bad for nature. <laughs>
1: we had so much fun with episode three. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it and, came out so well and this is just and, such and a now, gross episode. And
1: now this is just like, this is, <laughs> this is where it really comes out that you really hated your research on this
0: <laughs> I was just ready to be done. That's, should we should we Should we, um, should we be it ready up? to
1: be done? Sure.
0: My last paragraph is entitled... Our audience is
1: like, yes, please.
0: <laughs> My last paragraph is entitled, Epilogue, hashtag body count. Mm. So, in the end, fewer than 50 deaths have been directly attributed to the radiation from the Chernobyl meltdown. Specifically, directly linked. And you can see where it would be difficult to link Conclusively, a lot of the deaths because they were after the fact, right? Like cancer and stuff like that. However, that's not the takeaway from this disaster, obviously. This is very much a disaster that requires a very long view of history and a very broad scope, including the environmental effects, as we discussed Now, in addition to those roughly 5 million people affected by the radiation, the World Health Organization estimates, with estimates being a very key word here, the meltdown caused about 4,000 cases of thyroid cancer, which doesn't sound right because what about the 6,000 thyroid cancers in kids? Anyway, I guess that was a different study. But at any rate, this is the WHO's estimates. So 4,000 cases of thyroid cancer and about 4,000 additional deaths in the long run. So if we're talking body count, the estimates are around 4,000. Okay. Which makes it pretty darn big. And this is where the long view is important because disasters are obviously... Not just about people dying immediately or even just about death, although 4,000 people is a lot. There's obviously been a huge loss of the quality of life for those surrounding Chernobyl. Um, Those evacuated had higher levels of suicide, depression, anxiety, and alcohol and drug abuse. Mm -hmm. Their quality of life was obviously significantly diminished. The flora, the fauna, the animals in the area have dealt with the fallout. And managed to flourish without us. Again, nature is stronger than we are. And whether it was the many negative effects on people's physical health or their psychological stress and trauma caused by the evacuation and displacement, Chernobyl easily ended up being one of the most long-lasting and devastating man-made disasters of the 20th century. Period. Done. Over.
1: I would just say human history. Not just the twentieth century.
0: Man-made disasters of uh, of human history. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, easily.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, it's it's that was it's, my it's final still going sentence. on. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you can do it again. I don't want to. You can do it.
1: You can do another <laughs> research paper. <No>. on <laughs> oh. uh,
0: Needless just, to say. <laughs> Needless to say, I will not be doing another deep dive anytime soon. Like that was good. Maybe these will just come up once a year.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> probably all I can take. You're never getting the Titanic people. It's never it's <laughs> never going to happen.
0: No, I could do I could see doing this once a year. And by the end I'll be just as miserable. See, I should have started it so much earlier. And I was way into it in the first couple, and then I just lost interest.
1: Well, I mean, I had the same kind of feeling when I was doing the Dust Bowl because there's so much information. I
0: think information, that's it. These and huge, broad scope.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing is...
0: They're overwhelming.
1: The thing is, how are you going to weave it into a story? Because there has to be...
0: You have to distill it. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, yes. It has to have a...
0: A storyline. Right.
1: Pretty clear and concise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Beginning, middle, and end.
0: Mm -hmm. But there's so much information.
1: When you have have a tragedy like this where there's just so much stuff out there, it's like, how are you going to pull all those things together?
0: Without being Ken Burns.
1: (laughs) Right, without taking 20 episodes or 50 hours to do something.
0: So that, my friends, was the story of Chernobyl, and we'll never mention it again. Yeah, no, we yeah, yeah, we probably will. Yeah, of We're course totally. we will. <laughs> <laughs> we'll mention it as that time that Rachel almost lost her goddamn mind. Mm-hmm. Researching for over a month on fucking Chernobyl.
1: Fucking Chernobyl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: My enthusiasm has waned, clearly.
1: Just a tad. <sighs> that's okay.
0: I'm almost done with my key lime pie. It's very good.
1: Uh, and this is another reminder that next week I will be taking over hosting duties.
0: <laughs> are, is, are you saying that to make sure that people tune in? Because they're like, yeah, okay, we're yeah. sick of Rachel. And, <laughs> and
1: if they might be concerned that you're not hosting it next week, <laughs> just this is all this is something we laid out. It was a plan ahead a of plan. time. <laughs>
0: I haven't gone off the deep end. It has nothing. It
1: has nothing to do with the fact that she's taking fifty-six classes in uh, five months or whatever it is.
0: Twenty-eight and six. Sure. I that have too. to. On average, <laughs> I have to finish a class every six point two five days.
1: And that's where that's where it's gotten.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really
1: creepy kind of laugh. We're going to end it there.
0: Let's, let's <laughs> cut. We're done. No,
1: you're putting that in. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> so, this has been another episode of All Bad Things. That was part four of Chernobyl. Yes. Which we will never mention again on the show. Never.
0: I'm David. I'm Rachel. <laughs> we'll see you next week.